Good morning, church. I'm Father Spencer. I am one of the co-rectors here at the table. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Today we proclaim good news, that your belonging is settled. You are free from questioning your place. You are Christ's beloved. You are his body. You belong to one another. No more hustling or hiding. Bring all of yourself, your strengths and weaknesses, your failures and your triumphs. Church, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you today, inviting you to proclaim freedom to the oppressed and good news to the poor. The Monday before last, I got a call from a contractor working at uh, the house that we're preparing to move into in the next month or so, and his question to me was, have you been over here today? Which instantly I knew could not be a good thing. And I said, no, and then he went on to tell me there was about 15 or 18 inches of water in the basement because a pipe had burst, and so it had flooded. I noticed over the next hour and a half as I kind of entered problem-solving mode that I, I could feel this like anxiety just like buzzing and like humming through my body, but I could notice it coming up, like these like waves of anxiety coming up within me. And so because I could notice these like tremors of anxiety coming up, I could just breathe through it. I could identify what was going on and stay regulated. So I was feeling very proud of myself that I stayed regulated, I didn't lose my temper or freak out. Uh, but what I noticed, the reason I share the story is because later that night, I got home and after dinner I was helping Cameron with her homework and as is commonly the case with myself, I was not able to keep myself regulated in that instance. So in one situation, we've got about two feet of water almost, a foot and a half of water in a basement, potentially flooding and ruining a brand new furnace and doing what else we, we can't even imagine, damage to the house. Everything was okay. But when it came time to get Cameron to do her homework that night, I just could not keep myself calm. I could not resist the urge to power up and try to like manage the situation and control and make what I knew needed to happen, happen. I think this comes from this narrative that, that I've received somewhere that the outcome of Cameron's life falls on me, that it's all up to me to push her enough so that she can have a place to be, that she can have a place that she can belong, so that she can have a place where she can thrive. This, of course, comes from messages that I received growing up whether they were actual messages that were sent or just messages that I took from my upbringing and my family or the church that I grew up in or society at large, these messages that I interpreted as saying, you have to always be strong. You have to be successful. You have to have it all together. This is how you make a place for yourself. You never rely on anyone else. And I think that when we receive these messages and then we try to manage and go on and control in that way, this is how we can unintentionally perpetuate these false narratives that we've received about what it means to belong, what it takes or what it requires to belong, to have a place. As I was powering up with Cameron over her homework, it was almost as if I was saying, listen to me, I know what it takes for you to make your way in the world. I know what it's going to cost for you to have a place where you can belong. You need to make a way for yourself. I think also part of what's on the line is what it means about me if Cameron can't get through her homework? Or what if she can't make a, a, find a place to belong in the world? What does that mean about me as a father? Is that an indictment on me as a person? Am I a failure as a father? 
This uh, sermon could very quickly become a, just a full-on reflection on the movie Encanto, so I'll try, we'll, I will try to avoid spoiler alerts for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. But I felt like Abuela in Encanto. I knew how to protect the gift. Cameron, I know Cameron is so intelligent and so smart, and she's so gifted. I know how to protect that gift, that beauty that she has, and find a place where it can be maintained. And so I'm trying to do everything within my power to keep it tight, to, to keep it protected and keep it safe. Church, these narratives that we've received, they shape how we see the world, how we go out and participate in relationships as parents, as friends, as sons and daughters. These narratives shape how we interpret and how we read Scripture. Our psalm today, that we heard Joel's lovely song about, it, says, it starts off by basically saying that creation bears witness to God's glory. It says, one day... One day tells another, and one night, sorry, one day tells its tale to another, and one night imparts knowledge to another. And then it goes on to say that the law of the Lord is perfect, that it revives the soul. The law of the Lord is sure. It gives wisdom to the innocent. It's sweeter than honey. It's finer than gold. It gives light to eyes. It ends with a prayer. Keep us from presumptuous sin. Let them not get dominion over me. Make us whole and make us sound. I think with this narrative that we've received about knowing that we have to pave a way in the world for ourselves, we have to use every gift, every talent that we have, every strength that we have to carve out a little place in the world to exist and belong and to thrive, that narrative informs how we can read this psalm. And it actually can totally warp what, how we're interpreting what it means for God's word to be wisdom or sweeter than honey. Honestly, there's so much of my upbringing that shaped me to read scripture as a textbook that you can miss the poetry in this. This is a person reflecting on the beauty of God's word, of the law of the Lord. I think it's, it's crucial for us, it's been crucial for me in my journey to use Jesus as the interpretive key for all of scripture. And so this passage that we have today in the gospel, it's right at the end of Jesus's temptation. He had just come out of his temptation in the wilderness and he's getting ready to inaugurate and start his ministry. And he goes to the temple and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah 61, and he says that the Spirit of God is on me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to release the captives, to, to bring sight to the blind, to bring freedom to the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he closes by saying, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. When we see the beauty in Christ and what it looks like for God to become flesh and dwell among us, it helps us to be able to have an imagination for what's going on in Scripture. Scripture has been interpreted and reinterpreted and taught and retaught over the course of millennia, and it's been reshaped by these narratives. And so even going hand-in-hand hand with tradition, the ones that we've received, the ones that we've learned about later in life, we have to go into these Scriptures with the Christ that we find on the page of Scripture. And Christ saw fit at the beginning, at the inauguration of His ministry, to read this scroll that declares that the Spirit of God is on him because he's bringing good news to the poor. This gives shape to the whole character of God as we see this. It gives us a new imagination. So our passage in the Old Testament in Nehemiah, I think there's one way of reading it that could be very haughty and religious. The people gathered, and they asked for them to read the law of God to them. And then when the law was read, when they opened the book, they were standing up above the people, right? You can get this religious imagery in your mind that it's not, it doesn't sound like the word of the Lord would be sweeter than honey. It sounds like a system of law and potentially oppression, just the exact thing that Jesus just spoke about by reading 
Isaiah. But read through the lens of Christ, we can see it differently. The people asked for the word of the Lord to be read in their, mix, in their midst. They wanted to encounter God's beautiful law that's sweeter than honey. When it was read, when the book was opened, they stood. And as it was read over them, they started to weep. Now, you can weep for a lot of different reasons. You can weep because you're oppressed, or you can weep because something is beautiful. And this, I think that I'm reading this in a different way now than I would have five or seven years ago. This is an encounter with the divine. I think all of Scripture is just these recordings of God's interactions with Israel and humanity. And so this new interpretation through Jesus of how the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord is good and beautiful gives me a new imagination for why the people gathered and begged for the word to be read to them, why they were crying. As they were crying, Nehemiah said, this day is holy to God, don't weep. And he closed by saying, go your way. Eat the fat and drink the wine and send portions to those who have not. For this day is holy to the Lord. Don't be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's a lot going on here. I think that the people, this reminds me of the transfiguration. The imagination that I have for what's going on in this text is that the people have encountered God in the reading of his law. And they want to just sit there. It's a beautiful moment and they want to sit there and weep. But Nehemiah is not, he's not shitting on them. He's not using their shame or their guilt to try to motivate them to go and live differently. What he's saying is, Go your way. Okay, you've encountered the divine. Now go live your life. Go eat and drink and send what you have to those who have not. That's what it means to go from here, having experienced the divine, and go and be an image bearer and go and take that into your next interaction. We see more of this in 1 Corinthians, where the point is really belabored how the parts of the body relate to one another <laughs> over and over but just like a human body has many members, so it is with the body of Christ. In the one spirit, we have all been baptized into one body. And so if one member among us suffers, we all suffer. If one member among us is honored, then we all rejoice with it. Church, we belong to one another. The only thing that we have to strive for is for the good of our neighbors, not for our place to belong, not for a place to exist or to have a family, you are the family of God. You are the body of Christ. This also informs what we can do with our weaknesses. You can bring them to the body, just like you bring your strengths. Because your strengths aren't what create a place for you in the body, it's all of you that is welcome. It's all of you that is essential to the body of Christ. Understood this way, hearing the good news that's proclaimed in these four texts through this lens it frees us from organizing life around our hustles. It frees us from trying to attain a certain status or proving our worth and trying to earn a place amongst others. Acceptance. We no longer have to question our own belonging, but we are free to organize our lives completely around love. We're going to celebrate Evie's baptism this morning, and I think this, these are perfect baptism passages because... In baptism, you belong before you believe. I would, would pro proclaim that good news to you all as well. All of us who have been baptized in the past even. You belong in the body of Christ, in the family of God, before you believe, even in moments when you don't know if you can believe. You belong. Your gift doesn't make a way for you. 
You are a gift. You are a part of the body of Christ. Bring all of who you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, your questions, your doubts, your confidence. Bring all of who you are to the body. Just like Abuela sings at the end of Encanto. I'm sorry I held on too tight, just so afraid I'd lose you. Anyways. It's like Abuela says at the end of Encanto. I'm sorry I held on too tight, just so afraid that I'd lose you. The miracle is not some magic that you've got. The miracle is you, not some gift, just you. Church, as Christ's beloved, as his body, we are commissioned. We are free to go and be beacons of belonging. We are walking, talking invitations to those who feel alone, to those who feel left out, those that feel abandoned, that they don't have enough. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We are free to bring all of ourselves, not just our strengths and our talents and our gifting, but our weakness too, how we're doing today. We can bring that with us wherever we go. We are free to turn our eyes away from this internal war and all these internal questionings that we have about, do I belong? What do I need to do in this situation to belong? How can I hide this weakness? I want to keep this shame away from other people so that I can be here, that I can be accepted here. We are free to turn our eyes from that and proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the captive, to go and welcome the stranger. This is what it means to be the body of Christ, not to never have a weakness, not to always have it all together, not to be the most talented people, but to bring all of who you are, to belong to a body, to be reminded each Sunday that you belong to a body by feasting together on the body and blood of Christ, and then going from here and finding those that feel left out and working on their behalf Mother Teresa once said that if you want to make a difference, go out and try to find someone who's convinced that they're alone and try to convince them that they're not. That's a great place to start as we go from here each Sunday. We're learning new ways of fighting for people that that don't have a seat at the table or that have been felt like they've been made to be left out for a long time. We've been invited into seeing new realities as a church, and we don't have to have it all figured out to work on their behalf. This is a new learning that God is inviting us into. This is a new work that the Spirit is doing here at the table. But you're free to bring all of who you are. Brothers and sisters, your belonging is settled. You are free from having to question your place. You are Christ's beloved. You are Christ's body. You belong to one another. No more hustling or hiding. Bring all of you. Church, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you today inviting you to proclaim freedom to the oppressed and good news to the poor. In a moment, we're going to respond to this good news by baptizing Evie and by remembering our baptisms. After that, we're going to respond to this good news by coming and gathering around the table of our Lord and feasting on his body and blood. I want to pray a collect over us as we close the sermon today. Father God, whose perfect holy laws set the oppressed free, and give joy to the heart. Give us strength and courage to keep your laws, rejecting those systems and assumptions that are not of your ways. May we help each other as members of your body to do the work that you have given us to do through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.